intercessory, spirit-led prayer over the nation and God's will to be accomplished in the election. Amen? Amen. And uh, so we all are invited. We would love to have you uh, participate uh, in that. Amen. One more thing. We're about to get in the Word. Uh, I had it on my heart. I don't know if Reverend Marilyn is, is talking about this yet or not. Uh, to do something for our McCracken County Sheriff's Department this year as a Christmas gift. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of other departments. Your, your department might not be represented, but the church is located here in McCracken County. And there are 43 active deputies and their families. And I wanted to do a gift bag for them and put just a variety of things in it that would say that we care, we love them, we're praying for them. So we're going to put a plethora of spiritual resources in there about... Uh, divine protection, maybe the ministry of angels, uh, you know, different things like that that would bless them. We're going to put some coffee in there and some gifts and different things. And, and we might spend 100 per bag. And when Brett told me there's 43 of them, Pastor, you still want to do it? I said, yeah, I still want to do it. Amen. I still want to do it. What a good gift, right? If we spend $100 on each deputy and their family, amen, that'd be $4,300. But it's a ways till Christmas. And so I want to begin talking about it. We're going to get a team uh, together. If you want to be part of the team, you just let me know, let Brett know uh, about uh, you know, what we're going to do and assemble and what we can make a really meaningful package look like. We want to let them know that Jesus cares. We want to let them know that World Harvest Church cares about them yeah. and about their family. Amen? And uh, so praise God. Then you could uh, be a part of that team. Uh, many of you are busy, won't be able to do that, but uh, we're going to need to gather up about $4,300 between now and when we want to do that. And so you could give a designated offering uh, somewhere between now and then. Let us know, hey, maybe, you know, for 43 of us to sponsor one deputy and their family Amen. at 100 bucks be a good gift. Amen. Yeah. So we want to put that out there in plenty of time and let you know that it's uh, available and coming. And I'm excited to be able to uh, get involved with that outreach and be a blessing. Amen. All right, well, open your Bible this morning, if you would, please, to the book of Matthew. Hallelujah. The book of Matthew, chapter number 16. Hallelujah. And so we began a couple of weeks ago, for our visitors and guests, a series here on Sunday morning that I've just simply called the local church. The local church. The local church and the church at large, of course, it shouldn't be a surprise to any of us, is under intense attack. Uh, and it always has been. In every century since the church was founded, uh, the church has been under attack by the devil. And it always will be. And that, those attacks will just continue to get more intense and stronger uh, as we approach the return of the Lord. Uh, amen. And so you're turning to Matthew 16. And I just had this reminder. I wanted to say something while you're finding that or before I go on. And we want to wish happy birthday to Mom Gillespie. Amen. Yeah, come on. Why don't you stand up, Mom, let everybody see you. Come on. Hey, you only turn eight zero one time. Is that how old you are? Yeah. Is that what the birth certificate says? You live a lot younger than that. Amen. You really do. You don't feel that? You don't think that? Don't live that? It's just a number, right? Amen. Well, you are a pillar around here and a vitally important part of this local church family. We love you very much. We're so excited to have you with us and running this race. I know you're not done. It's just great to see you. Uh, aren't we great to have examples like this in our church? People are living healthy, living supplied, living long, living strong. I guess you could sit down now, Mom, but uh, praise God. 
and uh, we need to make sure that she does not spend any money today, right? So she needs to be taken out for a really nice lunch or whatever, but uh, amen. We just wanted to say that to you and uh, let you know that we love you very much. Praise God. Uh, Amen. Amen. So I am just like feeling disorganized here. That's not working because of the internet. Let's get rid of that. There's my Bible. We're all good. got my Bible. We're good. So. Father, we come to you today and we're so thankful for the Word of God. We're so thankful for the unshakable foundation that we can build a life on, we can build a marriage on, a family, a ministry, a a career, a business, uh, that we could build on something that no matter how intense the storms come, the Bible says if we hear and do the sayings of Jesus that no storm could knock our house down. We just so thank you for the revelation that you're endeavoring to bring to us about the local church. I pray that everyone would have a mind that's attentive and focused this morning, that they would have a heart that is open to receive. Lord, we just so thank you for giving added insight and revelation about the importance of the church in our life, Uh, revelation that we've not walked in yet, that God, all of us would be rooted and grounded in the house of God because it's a place of equipping, it's a place of safety, it's a place of blessing. And we just so thank you, Father, that we as a church are going to fulfill your plan in this day and hour. You're enabling us to do it. We thank you, Father, for those uh, watching, listening, those that are here this morning that are seeking your will about where to plant their family in a local church. Thank you for speaking to them, Father. Maybe we are that church, maybe not. But God, we pray for them that, God, that you would reveal your perfect will to them about this most important decision. We thank God for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's read our text again in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse number 15. And we'll jump into what I have to share today. Uh, Jesus is in the midst of having a conversation with his disciples. And it says, And he, Jesus, said unto them, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, or upon this revelation, I will build my church. You know, the the church, if you did a deep dive study on the Greek words, for Peter, and then the next word rock that Jesus used upon this rock, you'll find out that there's a play on words there. He called Peter a stone or a rock, but he called the rock that the church is being built on as a different rock, a much larger rock. The Amplified says the rock of Gibraltar, like a mountain stone, right? Uh, Praise God. And uh, not out to be critical of anybody, but it just needs to be clear, the church isn't built on Peter. Thank God for Peter. But the church isn't built on Peter. The church is built on the revelation God gave Peter in that moment. That's what Jesus is saying. Upon this revelation, Peter, that you're blessed to have just spoken out, for your flesh, no natural person revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven, that I am the Christ, I am the anointed one, I am the Messiah. And upon that revelation, amen, I will build my church. I will build my church. And I love this next phrase. Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. 
The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. In no other place, no other entity, no other group, no other organization, not a government, not an institution, not an entity, not a club, not a movement, are promised that the gates of hell won't prevail against them. Amen? But the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Everyone loves to be on the winning team. Right? Everyone loves to be on the winning team. And, uh, you know, if you have a favorite sports team and you're a real fan, you know, no, sports, no, no one team wins every year. And so there are years where it's tough to stay loyal to your team. Right? Because everybody wants to be on the winning team. If you're smart. Right? And uh, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to the immediate and long-distant future, there are real winners and there are real losers. Amen? And the losers will have eternity to, to lose. The eternity to experience the loss of their soul. The loss of the presence of God for all eternity. The loss of having a chance to go to heaven. Right? That's not a momentary loss. That's an eternal loss. But for those on the winning team, amen, amen those with whom uh, they have grabbed hold of God's mercy, amen, they will forever experience the win of heaven. They will ever experience the gain of glory, amen, and getting to live forever in the kingdom of God. And time is ever so short for you and me to make that solemn decision. Amen. But I'm just so glad for me, having planted myself, my life, my marriage, my family in the, in the church. Amen. And, and, and being part of the church, that I am part of something that Satan himself cannot prevail. He didn't say that he wouldn't come against our lives, but he said he won't prevail. So when something from hell shows up in your life, like a financial attack or like a sickness and disease, you just need to confess, this will not prevail against me. This will not prevail against me. This attack on my mind will not prevail against me. This attack on my marriage will not prevail. It will not, I'm going to stand here and I might feel the heat for a while, but bless God, nothing can rob me of my joy, rob me of my peace. I'm not going under financially. I'm not losing my mind. I'm not losing my kids to the devil. The gates of hell will not prevail against me. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's part of what it is to be the good news. So this verse is rich with revelation. It would be worthy of your meditation and thought. Praise God. Amen. I want to be as firmly and as, as strongly associated and a part of the church as I can. Because I can see the gates of hell advancing in the world. Amen. You know the amplified translation of verse number 18 says... And I tell you, you are Peter, Greek Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, Greek Petra, a large rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment. Hell cannot even be detrimental to the church. Nor can the powers of the infernal region, satanic powers, even hold out against us as we march forward. Praise God. Hallelujah. So now let's go over to our other golden text for this series. And that's the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 10. 
Now, specifically in our day and our time, we all know 2020 has kind of been a different kind of year. <laughs> right? It's just been a different kind of year. Uh, you know, but for us, it's been, for me, it's been, a, it's been a trying year for sure. It's been different. Walking out and overcoming things we haven't really overcome or walked out before. Not in my lifetime. And yet, by God's grace, we're stepping over every obstacle. I uh, walked the back part of my farm the other day and just, just plopped down on a little hill over one of my little ponds and, and, and just prayed in the Holy Ghost for an hour the other day. And at the end of that, God spoke to me. He said, well, son, I've sustained you in 2020, and now I'm getting ready to promote you. Amen. And I just believe that's a word for all of us. Amen. Amen. Come on, we can say that hasn't God sustained you this year? Others have gone down, millions have lost their jobs, millions have lost their business, some people have lost their lives, but bless God, we're, every one of my congregations that I know of, we're, we're doing just fine. Doesn't mean we're without opposition, doesn't mean we're, not, you know, we're without test or trial, but the gates of hell is not prevailing. Amen. Amen. And God just seemed to witness to me the other day saying, now promotion's about to come. Hallelujah. So look at this in verse number 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10. It says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, or some would say the custom. Uh, I would say habit. You know, sadly, even all the way back into this day, Christians can tend to drift into a bad habit of not coming to church. Amen? Coming and taking part of the assembly is like every good and bad thing we do consistently. It's a habit. Amen? And so that's why you need to understand COVID-19 and this pandemic is an attack against the church habit. It's an assault against the habit of coming to the house of God. Because human beings are creatures of habit. You know, when we first moved to our uh, farm place, uh, I think we've been there five years now, really narrow, windy farm roads, you know, county roads that you have to navigate to get back in there. Some of you came to my fall event about an hour late because uh, you're having a hard time navigating all of that. I, I understand that, praise God. But, uh, you know, it's almost a little scary. I can drive from here to there and be the most distracted driver you ever saw. But I, I've done it so much. That's no excuse for being distracted. I understand that. <laughs> Praise God. Y'all just watch out if you see me coming. But, uh, but amen. But how about that on your route home? If anything you do, you could just, you know, like, how did I even get here? I haven't even been paying attention. I've been thinking about this thing over here. Right? But we've done it so much. We've schooled ourselves to be able to make those motions and those turns, those little caveats and those little curves. That's the power of a good habit. That's the power of doing something over and over again. And Satan wants to undo your church habit. And he really doesn't care what strategy. If he can get you touchy-touchy, if he could get you offended at the pastor, uh, if he could get you hurt, if he could give you some sort of excuse, amen, make you afraid, make you scared, uh, feed your lazy tendency, you know, that all of our flesh has, you know, get you to buy into the lie that online church is a real thing. On, you know, thank God for the online avenue by which we could, but that's not church as God designed it. It's an avenue we're very grateful for to have. But as I've already taught you in this series, the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which is a compound word that means 
to be called out or a gathering of. A gathering of those that have been called out. So see, the mercy of God, like we sang about, has called us from the grave. We became born again. We're children of God. And now God wants to put every son and daughter of God in a local church. The local church is to be a visible community expression of the Lord Jesus Christ in the universal church. Amen. So the local church is to be a microcosm of heaven, a microcosm of the body of Christ at large. Thank God for the whole body. You know, the body of Christ is interstellar. It's not just, you know, global. It's interstellar. Part of the church is in heaven. My grandma's part of the church. She doesn't live here anymore. Brother Hagin's part of the church. He doesn't live here anymore. Dr. Dufresne's part of the church, my spiritual father of 10 years. He, not, he doesn't live here anymore. But he's part of the church, and he's alive, and he's in heaven. Amen. And so just take the global, visible church on earth. Man, that, that's, that's massive. You know, I'm getting, uh, I read a message, very heartfelt message from an Indian pastor. I, I mean from someone from India, from the st- same state as Reverend Kamal. Uh, in Andhra Pradesh, India, and I guess they've had some just devastating global flooding uh, there in that area, er- just local flooding, and, uh, you know, his church and family's just really in crisis. Well, that just, you know, but I, I've never met him, but that's a brother in Christ on the far side of the world. But see, day by day, our experience in the kingdom of God and in the body of Christ is local. It is to be local. God has called us to be part of a community, a household of faith. And we are instructed in God's word very plainly. I know a lot of, there are a lot of verses that you really have to dig deep. You maybe need to know some Greek. You need to do some biblical study to get a right interpretation of what the author is saying. But that is not required to read this text. It's just pretty plain, isn't it? Amen. It says, do not forsake like the habit or the custom of some has become the assembling of yourselves together I mean I've even tried I'm not a big theological person I want to be theologically sound but I dived off into the systematic theology books I mean I dove off in this week and but they just they just rehearsed and reiterated and strengthened what I've been telling you that there is no such thing as an isolated Christian life out there that is not the plan of God that you're an island unto yourself you're a really good Christian apart from a community and a household of faith. Amen. And uh, so praise God. The um, Amplified Translation of verse 25 says this, don't forsake, not forsaking or neglecting. Some people just neglect. They, They get busy. They get distracted. To assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, I want you to see these three words. Warning, urging, and encouraging one another about this, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. If if assembling together was not vitally important to the outcome and the well-being of your life and your family, why would this Greek definition, right, include the word warning? So see, as a pastor, I have a responsibility to put this verse before you and to warn you do not neglect the church. To warn you. See, we don't, if there's not a danger of harm, there's no need of a warning. 
We could just encourage. And we do encourage. It says to encourage. But did you see that word warning? Amen. Well, that means if I don't take heed to that, something, something ominous out there, something bad, something detrimental could come into my life. That, and that's why he's warning me about this. And husbands, if you're the men, if you're the head of a family, you have a solemn responsibility to before God to make sure that you lay down a law and a culture in your household that the local church is an important thing and it's going to take a high place in our family life. You need to be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Now, uh, Amber and I, we have three children, Faith, Rex, and Ryan, and our oldest is 19, coming on 20 next March. And all of our children's lives so far, church, going to church has never been a debate. It's never been a debate. We've never had a conversation at the door, arguing back and forth. Well, I don't want to go. You're going. I don't want to go. I want to stay here. We, no, that's just not a thing. Come on, sweetie, get yourself in the car and we going. Amen. It's not a debate. It's not a choice. Parents must lead on this issue. The Bible says that uh, we should, parents should train their children, not let their children figure it out, not let them make their own choice. No, it says train them. Set your children on a course and on a direction that's in line with God's will and God's way. And if you'll do that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Amen. Children never had a choice about it. No, no, no. In fact, this has just really blessed my heart, but over 19 years, maybe two instances I could think of over those years where I just got flat wore out. I just, just flat got wore out, and I, I called one of the lay people, and I said, or my staff, I said, you preach, it's a midweek service, and I'm resting. And come, you know, getting later in the afternoon, my kids start going, well, you're not in your normal... I said, no, I'm not, I'm resting, we're staying home tonight. And they're like, you're staying home tonight. <laughs> And I actually had to drive them. They're like, no, I don't, you, you, you sad self, you're going to rest, we're going. And I just love that. But see, they didn't get that mindset by themselves and by accident. Amen. Amen. One of the highest callings we have as Christian parents is to make sure that God has a seed in the earth after we're gone. God seeks a godly, a godly seed from our union. And, you know, people, we, we, we can say all we want, do as I say, not as I do, but your children are watching, they're watching your approach to church. If you blow it off, if you act like it's not a big deal, that's how they're going to be. And they will, whatever you do in moderation, your children will magnify. I did that in my, in my BC days, big time. My mom would say things like, God bless her, she would say, she wasn't safe. She'd say things like, well, I know you're going to drink, so just, just, be, just promise me this one thing, you won't drive. Well, that one little bit, that one little bit of release and permission, I took and magnified. She did that in many arenas that I'm not blaming her, but I took that as my cue to go wild. Amen. Church is a habit. We must lay it down and we must protect that habit. Amen. Amen. 
And so we want to just advance this a little bit. Go over to the book of Ephesians, if you would, chapter 1. Y'all all right? Hallelujah. You know, the things in my life, uh, man, the, the, the local church is way up there on my priority list. Way up there. And again, I, I know it may get old to some of you have been with me a long time. Yeah, of course you're like that. You're the pastor. I mean, you want people to preach to. No, sweetie, I lived like this before I was ever on a church staff. I wouldn't be here today as a pastor. God wouldn't have put me in that ministry and office had I not demonstrated my heart towards the local church outside of that ministry gift, outside of that ministry office. Amen? Listen, there's something wrong, praise God. There's something wrong about our heart and about how we're thinking if we don't have an earnest desire to be around the church family and to be a vital part of it. Amen. So today we're going to look for a few minutes here about the church as the body of Christ. The church is called the body of Christ. You remember the revelation that Jesus said, I'll build my church on? The revelation, the truth that I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. I am, I am the anointed one upon that rock. And so the church is called in the New Testament repeatedly many times. We'll just look at a couple instances we are called the body of the anointed one and his anointing. Amen. And just such a wonderful, rich truth here in this understanding. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, the last two verses in that uh, chapter, Paul is in the middle of finishing a prayer he's praying. And he says, talking about Jesus being elevated to the right hand of the Father, praise God. In verse number 22, it says, And God has put all things under his feet. Amen. God has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Do you see that? The church is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Amen. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to spend a few minutes here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So the church is the body of the anointed one and his anointing. Now what's Jesus' part in this body? He's the head. He's the head. So the, one of the dynamics we need to have understood as a Christian is, as a Christian, I'm not the boss. I'm not the boss. You're not living your Christian life right if you're not practicing submission. Well, that's a shouting word, isn't it? We're not living our Christian lives right if we don't practice submission. Now, I'm grateful for the country we live in. Very, very grateful because we have rights and we have freedoms. Isn't that right? But we take that mentality into the church. And we have this American, go west young man, pull myself up. I am my own woman. I am my own man. Nobody going to tell me what to do. And we bring that into the church. And that, that doesn't work. No. The church is not a place to come and be dominated. That, that's for sure. Amen. But the church is called the body. The body of Christ. 
talking about the human, as analogy, the human body. But Jesus is the head. Now, your natural being, thank God for your legs and your, your arms. And we could do, these members of my body, we could do, it could do all kinds of things. But it, it, all of the members of the body take direction from one location. Isn't that right? The church is to be taking its direction from Jesus. And I think, I think we've just gotten mixed up in this pandemic thing. Okay, I, you know, y'all pray for me to be bold, and I just, I'm, just, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but, you know, I, I have, I've met so many, and, and it's a thing to struggle with, I, I understand for some, but uh, people, people want to think the church is supposed to do everything the mayor says, everything the governor says. God bless them. I'm not taking my direction from the governor. God bless him. Now, we are to be reverent and respectful, and where we can, we are instructed to obey the laws of the land, right? But I'm not going to not assemble, my goodness. I am, we are under a commandment from the head of the church to assemble, and I can't throw that away because there's a virus out there. I can't flow that, throw that away because it's dangerous. What about our, that does a disservice to our brothers and sisters in China right now who meet under threat of death and imprisonment and torture. We're not out. The church should not be out to be rebellious to civil authorities. We should be compliant wherever we can. You know what that means? That means you need to stop at the red light. You need to pay your taxes. You need to educate your children. You need to obey the laws of the land. You need to obey the speed limit. Right. But when dictates come out of government that are contrary to the church, then I'm going to have to just remind them all, you said the church and state should be separate, so leave us alone. Nobody's got to come in the door. It's a free place. People are making decisions about, you know, they've, they've framed the whole decision about compliance or safety. Well, God bless us. If we as Christians can't be safe as the body of Christ, then I just want to quit and go back to drinking beer. Could I do that? I mean, if, we're, if Jesus is not really alive and he's not really the boss and he's not really a healer and he's not really powerful, if he's not into keeping his word, if the angels are just, you know, mystical creatures that man made up, then to me, what are we doing here? Uh, it's not about me being on a soapbox. It's about us not falling for the attack of the enemy yeah. to sideline the body of Christ yeah. in a critical hour. Yeah. We've got to be engaged. We've got to be strong as a body of Christ. We've got to be strong as Christians. And we cannot be as strong as God wants us to be chatting on Facebook. I have to see your face as a minister. Paul said, I long to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift that you might be established. I can't lay hands on the sick through Facebook. I can't lay hands and prophesy on people through Facebook. 
Thank God for those avenues. We, we have them. We're, we're putting it out there and God's using it. But that is never to replace the coming together and joining ourselves together as brothers and sisters in the house of God. Amen. Amen. It's not about me being right and someone else's being wrong. It's about the church falling prey to very subtle, good-sounding, deceptive, seductive things. Amen. And on the church's side, we have to make ourselves more vital in this society. We, if we want to say the church is vital, I believe it is, then we need to show up in our community in a greater way and show ourselves vital. But I can't control governor, uh, you know, I'm, not talk- I'm just talking about politicians in general, governing authorities in general, what they think. If they want to put the church uh, on the same plane as the pool hall and... Uh, and an office deal or a birthday party, that's, that's their problem. They're not thinking in line with the Bible. But the church is an essential part. Amen. Of our lives as Christians. Don't let anything separate you. Don't let any voice, don't let any thought, don't let any threat motivate you or become an excuse to keep you away from your part in the body of Christ. Amen. So, looky here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, Paul says, For as the body, the human body, is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So do you see how he's describing the church? The church is like a human body. The human body, we don't look and think, oh, there's, there's Pastor Chris's finger, there's his left big ear, there's his no. No, we just see, you see my body. It's one cohesive unit, but it has many members. Doesn't it? It has many members, and it's each member properly, suitably fitted together and adapted together in its place that makes me a functional me. But if you start taking pieces away from me, it won't be pretty long. I'm either going to look freakish or I'm going to need a hospital. I'm not going to be able to function the way God wants me to function. And so I just, I'm going to come after this again. This idea that coming to church and being part of a church, I mean really part of a church, is optional. It's optional. No, that's your American independent brain talking. That's not the Bible. Church is not optional. Okay, you, you people, I, I forgot my knife this morning, so you'll be glad about that. But if I pulled you up here, if I pulled Brett up here and said, okay, uh, the church is the body of Christ. So don't you stand up here, Brother Brett, for a minute. Church is the body of Christ, so you represent the body of Christ. And the body of Christ thinks that uh, members, being a member of the body is optional. So how, how many members of your body are you willing to forfeit today? None. <laughs> not one. Not, not one? No. Come on, I mean, what the, the, the toenail on your pinky toe. Ooh, no. You want to keep that. <laughs> I do, yeah. 
Could I have a finger? You got, you'd have nine others. No, I don't want to do that. You have two ears? Could I have one of those? No. How about a tooth? Could I have a tooth? <laughs> now, we know science says, you know, you still have your appendix? Well, you don't need it. You don't need it. Could I have it? Uh, you want to keep that too? You're your spleen. How about that? Could I have that? Do you see what I mean? So when it comes to the body, every piece, he's not willing to volunteer away any of it. Giving it up, not having it, doesn't sound optional to him. Thank you. Well, how many individual members of this local house are we willing to be without? How many cannot show up and us not look freakish? Or our ability to function and fulfill the plan of God. How many ears and eyes and bones and hearts and muscles... uh, that's in this local body can we afford to be without before we are unable to do what Jesus the head would tell us to do and so if you deem your place in the body of Christ unimportant and voluntary and you just optional I looked up the word optional it means to someone's wish or someone's choice That is not how God thinks about you and your part in the body of Christ. Let me prove that to you. Let's just keep reading here. Verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member but many, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not, of, I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course not. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No. You know, some people come in and they just say, I'm an ear and I want to be an ear right now. And if you're not willing to be an ear, I'm going to leave. You know, it's just like whatever. People are just like, What? You know, they demand position and, and different things. Well, you might be an ear, but we want to get to know you a little bit before you start Amen. demanding things. <laughs> if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, we all want to be Pastor Chris. Well, this church would be a freak show. Right? Right? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? You know, I understand that uh, one of the symptoms of the COVID virus is a loss of smelling. And I've had a lot of people, you know, say, man, I believe with me for my restoration of my smelling. And it's like, oh, well, you've, are you saying you value your smelling now? You never talked to me about your smeller before. <laughs> But see, you lose your smelling ability and somebody goes, hey, this actually matters to my life. I actually want that. You may not think you matter, but you do. You do. Do you know, just to put on this service, it probably takes upwards of around 40 helps ministry positions just to make this moment happen. Amen. Amen. From the people that prepared the building, that cleaned, that organized, to the people who are running the sound and the tech, the, the people that did the, 
the, the lawn and, and maintaining everything, the people that are back right now ministering, the children, the ushers, our security personnel, the prayer people, the praise team people, myself, you bringing your supply. It's just vitally important. But the devil's got so many Christians thinking, it don't matter. It don't matter if I come. It don't matter if I show up. But it does. I said it does. It does to Jesus, and it does to me. Here's where I really wanted to lead it up to. Look at verse 18. Here's a verse you need to get. Don't let it get away from you. Notice what it says. But now hath God set. Look at that. God has set the members of the body. Every one. Amen. Every one. Does that include you? That includes you. In the body as it has pleased that one. No, as it has pleased Him. So, you know, for people who are um, seeking out the will of God, where, where should I go to church? Well, can I say this according to this verse? Not where you want to go. You, you don't get to go to church where it pleases you. Not if you're going to be scriptural. God doesn't say... What paint colors do you like? What kind of nursery do you want? What kind of service times? How far, how many stoplights are you willing to drive through? God doesn't ask you those kind of questions. And He doesn't say, would you like to usher? Would you like to greet? Would you like to be uh, this? Would you like to be that? See, again, a big part of doing the Christian life right is learning to practice submission. You can rebel if you want to, but you're going to get derailed. When any of us rebel in any degree, we're acting like the devil. The devil is the author of all rebellion. And you can't have spiritual authority, and God wants you to, to function in a strong spiritual authority in these last days. But if you're not submitted to authority, you have no authority. The question should be, Father, where has it pleased you? Where, has, where, where would it please you for me to plant my family? Where do you want me to go? And you may have to go visit some churches to seek that out, to be led by the Spirit. I understand all that, but the mentality, if you're going to end up in the perfect will of God, it can't be, what do I like? I don't like that style of praise and worship. I don't like it, you know. His personality, I don't like the way he tied his tie in a full Windsor. I like a half Windsor. You know, whatever. People, I mean, or whoo, Paul, you know. People are weird. That's what Dr. Jacob says. Paul. People are weird. <laughs> people are Paul. <laughs> and, but listen, you know, if we don't know these things from the Bible, if we don't have these things pointed out, then it's obviously why we don't think that way. We haven't been trained or taught or even had it suggested that we should think this way. But then when you even find the right congregation, the local family, where, where are you supposed to be? Well, not where it would please you. It says God places every single one of us in the body as it has pleased Him. You know, for several years in my Christian life, it pleased God for me to be the table setter-upper and the chair setter-upper and the thermostat setter and the trash taker-outer for a big ministry. 
And I did that for several years. I was the toilet unstopper. I mean, I had a, I had a specific cutting-edge little communication device just so that everyone could let me know when one of the 40 or 50 toilets we had on that campus wasn't working properly. Beep, 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 beep. And that didn't please me to do that all the time. You know, that my role in the body of Christ right then was to make sure that you had a sanitary, clean experience for your blessed assurance. That's, that's you know, that, that was my role in the body of Christ. We're having a major conference with a major, major figure in the body of Christ come, and I was enjoying the start of the meeting, and there that beeper goes off. And there's a big old yucky mess in the, in the lobby women's restroom. And so just as he's about to start ministering, I've got to go and I'm in there and I'm in my flesh. I'm griping and complaining. And I said out of my mouth, I said out of my mouth, looky here, look at you, called to preach. Look what you're doing. And the Lord spoke to me in that nasty stall. Yeah. You know, God hears when you gripe, yes. moan, and complain. Yes. Pastor may not hear it. Your supervisor may not hear it. But God hears it. He said, yeah, you are called to that. But you're not fit for it until you can do this with joy. So I just got, and I just changed my attitude. Just changed my attitude. Amen. Because, you know, and I remember standing up in the balcony of my childhood church and hitting my head on an invisible seating and the word of the Lord coming to me saying, if you want all I have for you, you're going to have to let me lead you on for, from here. In other words, see, it's not about where I wanted, what if I wanted to stay right there? What if I, I, this is my church, this is my childhood church, I just want to stay right here, I don't want to rock the boat, I don't want to leave the family, I don't want to hurt my pastor. I like the mahogany, I like the, I like the hymnals, I like the, and I like all the choir, and there's some of that denominational stuff I really like. Amen. And, uh, but uh, I have choice. Evidently it would please God to take me from here to over there. So I followed him. Amen. 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 So all of us are individual members of a body. And God has set you in a specific location in the body as it has pleased him. That word set, I'm looking at the time, that word set means to assign someone to a particular task. Do you know that Jesus the head has assigned you to a pastor? He's assigned you to a place within the local body. That word means to assign someone to a particular task, function, or role. To appoint, to designate, to assign. Now, nobody likes going into classrooms, right? Like school classrooms, and the teacher has assigned seats. Nobody likes that. You're weird if you like that, right? You know, oh, man, I'm a man. By them? Back here? No. All year? No. That's human nature, right? When you come to church, you're going to be really spiritual. This is what it looks like. You're checking. What have you assigned me to do? What is my God or what is my God ordained role? What supply am I to bring? Where have I been appointed to serve? Amen. That word means to place. It means to ordain. It means to put in a particular location. Amen. Let me say this to you. To deny the body of Christ 
you being in that spot is selfish and it's unloving. You can't say you love this place and then willfully ignore your God-ordained place in it. Because now nine fingers are having to do the work that ten should be doing. To deny being in your spot in the body of Christ cripples and hinders. It requires others to do your part and theirs too. And that's not right. And this is why Christians begin over years, they have difficulties start showing up in their life that their prayer life and their faith can't get rid of. Because failure to discern your place in the body of Christ eventually will constitute disobedience. And disobedience always opens the door to the devil. So if you neglect your God-ordained place for too long and you make that a lifestyle, eventually God will have to permit you to reap from that disobedience. So this, this really shows up. That's why in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine 29 and 30, it says, For this cause, not discerning the Lord's body, the body of Christ, many are weak and they're sickly, prone to sickness, and some even die premature. Mm-mm-mm. That's kind of heavy revy, isn't it? Hallelujah. Let's close here in uh, Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2. We're talking about the church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. So uh, when is Jesus going to be your Lord and your Savior? Not just your Savior. Because He's not your Lord if you're not looking to Him. If you're not taking your direction from Him, He's not your Lord. Don't call Him your Lord. He spoke to that when He was on the earth. He said, why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I say? Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. That's what Jesus, our loving Jesus, said when He was on the earth. He would say things like, why, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do the things that I say? Mm, I don't want to fall into that category. I have a responsibility. Part of my life is not for my own. It's not for me. It's not just for my wife. And it's not just for my children. Part of my life is to be given and sown in a God-ordained place of function within a local body. And I'm going to fulfill it. Aren't you glad I'm here today? Maybe you're not. I don't know. Praise God. You, love, you like to have my wife up here cooking cake and stuff and preaching up and having, having a good time. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. These are truths that will save your life. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, we're almost done. Ephesians 2, 19 It says, Now you therefore are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You know, you come move in my house, and I'm not letting you. But if you did, you will get chores on day one. Amen. Amen. Even our friends, the more our friends come... The more we say, yeah, you can help with the dishes, that'd be all right. The more you're going to partake of the blessings of the household, the more I expect you to step up and help. Amen. Amen. And of the household of God, verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom, notice this, 
all the building, now the church is called a building, notice this, fitly framed together, fitly framed together, grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. Now look at Ephesians 4.16, last verse for this morning. Ephesians 4.16, visitors, I do typically use a lot of scripture. So I don't want to wear anybody out, bring your Bible, because I don't, I don't, I'm not endeavoring to preach my opinion about things. So I want you to know what the Bible says. That's my motive in doing that. I'm not trying to wear anybody out. Ephesians 4.16, Paul says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together. I like everybody to say that three-word phrase. Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase or growth of the body unto the building up or edifying of itself in love. So for the body of Christ to be built up, edified, and to grow into God, what God's ordained it to be, every member of that body must bring their supply. Doesn't mean you have to be here every time the doors are open. Doesn't mean you have to be a part of everything. But you need to discern where are you in the Lord's plan? What is God saying to you? And He is saying something to you. He is not saying once a month is fine. No, He's not saying that. Amen. Unless you just have some unusual assignment, like we have had some uh, soldiers come through and they're on military deployments. Man, that's a calling. That's, there's a grace for that. You know what? Yeah. But unless it's an unusual situation like that, we ought to be seeing your face on a regular basis. Fitly joined together. I'm going to close by talking to you about this phrase, fitly joined together. Uh, The word fitly. Anybody ever, uh, uh, you know, Russell's over here, he's he's drooling over these Legos. You guys ever played with Legos? Come on, after the service, this is what we're going to do. Between now and prayer, we'll just sit down here and play play with Legos, right? And uh, so, oh, my, my kids, especially Rick's, I mean, closets full of stuff like this. And Lego, the word fitly, the word fitly in the Greek is the word L-E-G-O. It's where Lego got their company name. So this will help you. Uh, understanding my relationship with the local church in the body of Christ, what should it look like? You, as a Lego piece. Now think about how these Lego sets, they usually come in a box and they have multiple little bags in them with an instruction book. Right? And you just get a big... Right? And you have this picture on the box or on the instruction set of this finished work, of this this unit, this product. Right? So I bought one of Rex's favorite... Uh, Star Wars, I think this was the Emperor's or somebody's in one of the Moody's shuttle ships. And uh, so this is one of the sets that he put together. That's pretty cool, isn't it? His room is filled with sets like this. I don't know how many hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars we got invested in that. But, but I mean, this is cool. This is not cool. Amen. I don't want to pastor the first church of. You could do some cool stuff with this. You could fly. You could shoot stuff. You can open the. You can look at all the different compartments. 
You could put a pilot in there. It's got a cargo bay, bless God. I mean, come on, look at that. It's got laser cannons on the front. You, you can do the bi-wings up or down. I mean, it's got skids to land on. It's got light reflectors on the back. But in the beginning, what God wants to do is to take us out of the world, just an individual. Right. Just an individual and fitly join us together. I am going to take a moment just to get a just to illustrate this a little bit further. But like I said, this is this is cool. This is fitly joined together. This is a plastic bucket full of potential. Amen. So Brett, Sarah, uh, you three on the end, come help me a little bit. Okay, so you take that turn and face the congregation, make a line. Okay, ooh, you're, I'm going to give you this. Okay, ooh, this is a really special one. Okay, here's what I think of you, Dakota. No, I'm just kidding you, brother, I'm just kidding you. Okay, and uh, all right, what else we got here? Okay, all right, let's give you this piece here. Okay, so you don't know any of what I've just preached to you. And, and so I go, hey, Dakota, man, it's great to meet you. You know, you're a valued brother in the body of Christ. How would you describe your purpose? You're a building block. Well, I think I could do something with you. But listen, by yourself, if this defined his spiritual purpose in the church, by itself, does it feel very significant? No, it wouldn't. It's, it's pretty ordinary. You know what I mean? Yeah, what, what about you? I mean, ooh, you got a little bling on you. You must be the pastor's daughter. Wow, so now you're definitely different from Brother Dakota. But by yourself, as, as cool as the plastic window Lego piece is, Come on, by itself, it's not much, right? Now, Brianna, what do you have there? You have a Lego tire, and it looks like an off-road thing. But where's the wheel part and the connector part and the frame? You know, maybe, maybe you need to come over here and... Now, now we're getting somewhere. I don't know, we're going to need some other pieces, but, you know, do you see what I mean down the line? Brett, what do you got here? Beige octagon, you, uh, Yeah. Or, you're extraordinarily ordinary. Yes. <laughs> but, man, we could stand it up. We could, I don't know, we could lay it down. In other words, I can't, this was made for something. But apart from where it was designed to be placed, it's really just kind of a mystery of what that is. Sarah, what do you have? You have a hood of some sort. Some little, little plastic hood or cover. But you guys get my point, right? That, now, are they unimportant? What if you get, you're in a bag that's got 100 pieces and... 
this one's, you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> well, who knows how critical that's going to be to the overall function of the toy. Right. You just don't know by itself. Amen? You guys can put your Legos back and be seated. We're not trying to... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, sweetie. Uh, thanks, Dakota. Um, diminish anyone's single value and importance. Now, this is a collection of multiple Lego sets that have been torn apart for some reason. I'm the guy in the Lego movie that wants to glue them all together. Maybe that's the pastor coming out in me. And he has all of the books. But if you took the time and separated and sorted, right, and began to rebuild, you would have a whole table full of functional, cool toys that you could do something with and play with if they were all fitly joined together. And again, if church is optional, how many... I told Rex I was going to start pulling this apart. How many of these could we just not have before this ceases to be what it is? What am I saying? You get it. God has a place for you. He knows what that place is. And we need you in that place. And it's more than just sitting in a purple chair and saying amen to me. God has a, a job for you, a role for you, a place for you, a part of the ministry. The word joined, we know what fitly is. The word joined means to glue or weld together. In the Greek, it means to glue or weld together. And one commentator said the word speaks to the strongest personal bond of union one with another. It makes me almost think of the marriage dynamic. And the word cleave, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Now, it's not that strong, but the bonds of believer to believer, family to family in that local church, that bond is supposed to be like a weld. It shouldn't be easy for you to break away. It shouldn't be easy, right, for you to not be here. The church is a body. One body made up of many diverse members. But all of the members fitly joined together make the local church what God intended to be. And we become a powerful force in our strategic region. Amen. A body that Jesus can use to do great things in these last days. So that's my message to you today. I just want to urge you, praise God, to... Find out and make sure, first of all, it's just, a, it's just a mindset that you have to be willing to have. If you've not thought this way, just be willing to. I'm willing to think this way. I'm going to go home and spend some real time thinking about what is my part? What is my part? doesn't mean you should come in. You know, those pieces don't have an agenda. They don't have an agenda. They were built. They were manufactured. They were designed to in a specific location in that set. And that is where, that is where it finds value. That's where it finds its meaning. You don't have to change anything about yourself. You just got to find out where you fit. 
Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, we love you so much.